Welcome to the One New Man Network from Kirtlandry Ministries at House of David, where we learn about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. The following is a replay of a previous service. Hallelujah. Shofar as you may be dismissed, let's give them a warm hand clap. And as we welcome Pastor Tim and Sandy to come up and light the Shabbat candles. You know, in the order of service that we do here, there is, uh, so to say, there is order to it in the sense that we've had the awakening blast. The word says in Numbers that uh, when you go to war in the land, sound the trumpet and the Lord will remember you and give you victory. And, uh, and then we, uh, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which releases a blessing because it's a command those who pray for Jerusalem will also have peace within their palaces, Psalm 122 and 6. But now we're going to enter into a Sabbath's rest because we're going to make a conscientious decision, decrees and proclamations in the courts of heaven that we are going to receive the rest of the Lord. And when you receive the rest of the Lord, that allows you, you're taking your hands off your life and you're going to allow the Lord to take out what needs to come out, maybe an infirmity, maybe a bitter root. We all have all these different things, things we know and don't know, going to take those things out. And then the Lord's going to obviously come and put some other things in. And that happens in the peace of entering into that Sabbath's rest. And that's one of the blessings of keep, remember, keep holy the Sabbath. So as Pastor Tim and Sandy, as we speak this out and we light the candles, it's a great visual that that oil in the, can, in the candles, that anointing is in you. It is in you. You are born again. You were bought with a price. And the Lord is well pleased. And you're filled with his Holy Spirit. And if you're not, you need to ask the Lord into your heart tonight, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and baptize you with fire, because that oil is there, and your time of your life is the wick that you see in those glass candlesticks with the oil. And as Sandy comes and she brings the light, the fire, because he is the light of the world, and as the light of the world sits upon those wicks, it calls forth the oil and it creates light that overcomes the darkness. That's you. That's you. And when you come in to rest, allow that anointing to come. Don't just sit here. We're not here for, there's no spectators. No spectators online. No spectators in the house. Just go ahead and prepare that oil that's within you. Let that fire of the Holy Spirit come during the worship and during the praise. And that which is within you, let it connect with that which is coming upon you. And that's where the synergy of spiritual transformation takes place. Because we're in his courts. This is a trading floor. We're trading in our sorrows for his joy. We're trading in our sickness for his healing. Amen. We're, we're trading in our shortcomings for his abundance. It's all here. Everything you need is right here in the presence of the assembly of the Lord. Amen? It's a great privilege for you to be here. It's a great honor for all of us to be here, not so much in House of David, but to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen? Pastor Tim. You know, the word says that, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, come and let's go up. This evening we have an opportunity of let's come but let's go up. Let's elevate our expectations of what we think God can do for us. We're closing out one season, getting ready to enter into a new season. Let's have a greater expectation of what God's going to do. Because God's going to do great things. If you have an anticipation, what you can believe for, God can do. So in this coming season, let's raise the expectation. God's asking us to raise the bar. Understand, the enemy is going to do everything that he can to throw stuff at you, so you need to raise the bar. Let his spirit come and fill you. I'm glad to be in the house, and I hope that you are too. Let's say the blessing first in the Hebrew. Baruch Adonai. Baruch Adonai. Eloheinu melech haolam. Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kitchen to be mitzvotav. Visavanu, 
Shabbat. And now in the English, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your commandments and commanded us to kindle the lights of Shabbat. So Father, tonight we rejoice to be in your house. Father, we are glad to be able to enter into the presence of the Lord. And Father, we invite your spirit into this house tonight, into these temples. Father, may your glory truly fill the temples tonight. May the power of your spirit come and may your miracle working power begin to manifest itself in each and everyone's life. Father, we thank you that you're meeting every need in this house tonight. Father, we know that you inhabit the praises of your people tonight. Lord, as we praise you in spirit and truth, may your glory fill this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you're in agreement, you would say amen. 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 Let's give Pastor Tim and Sandy a warm hand clap. Thank you. How many are ready to praise the Lord tonight? Dancers, if you'd come down front, these altars are open on either side. The worship team, just give Megan and the worship team a wonderful hand clap. Praise God. Thank you all so much. What a blessing. Thank you, Pastor Tim. The Lord is so good to us. I know you hear me say this, but... I am so thankful for House of David. See, I need a place to go. I need a place to fellowship. I need a place where I can trust that I'm going to have an encounter with the Lord. And this is my place that I come to. And I thank the Lord for all of you that helped that happen because corporate Worship, corporate glory comes in agreement and sacrifice to lay down self. And the biggest challenge of corporate worship and a corporate move of God is that we all come from different experiences and different paths and different understandings. And to be able to lay it all down, especially when you come in here, because it's so different than where you came from, I appreciate your laying it down and your patience to be able to just embrace what God is doing here. I'm not saying this is the best way or the right way. I just know it's the way we do it. It's an expression. It is like a flower. It does not choose its aroma. The aroma chooses it. And this isn't a fake aroma in here. This is the real deal. This is who we are, and uh, it's beautiful, and it's not for everyone, and I'm okay with that too. I am blessed to be able to, in my own personal walk, to enjoy worship just about anywhere. I mean, I can listen to the national anthem at a sporting event which for me is a way to say thank you to the Lord for all the men and women who laid their life down for this nation, for us to enjoy our freedoms that we have. And I look at it as going into the courts of heaven. And I'm not necessarily emotional, it's just that the, when the anointing hits you, it makes you wanna weep. You know, the glory, translates out in Hebrew, one of the words for glory is kavod, and it translates out heavy. And the reason it feels heavy, I've, I'm doing a real deep study on the glory right now, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's an interesting thing. It's like anything else. You mess with it, it messes with you. See, I really like to go deeper, but I have to just lay at my desk and weep. <laughs> It's like, Lord, I'm not getting anything done. He said, oh, yeah, you are. See, you have to experience the glory. The glory is all over this house. Too many times we're looking for clouds and sparkly things. And if you understood what the glory is, it's all over the house. 
It's resting upon you right now. And it is heavy. And I asked the Lord, why, does it, why is it so heavy? And the reason it's heavy is because of the intimacy level of what it is. It's a pretty heavy thing to think that the God of the universe would actually want to share his time and his love with you. It's pretty amazing. Everybody gets all excited because, you know, they're going to go meet the prime minister or they're going to meet President Trump. And there is a certain element of soulish excitement that happens with that and other people. But when the glory of the Lord comes and it rests upon you, this isn't a person. This is I am that I am, which means all power, all authority, all knowing, all inclusive of everything in the universe is loving and paying attention to you. And the key is he cannot cohabitate with you when you're in sin. So you have to put off the old man and apply the blood of Jesus and put on the new man. Kind of like Esther. There's a preparation for you to be able to rest in the glory and be able to experience the glory. And my message tonight is out of chapter 3 and 4, out of reclaiming our forgotten heritage. And the title of, these, of chapter 3 is, The Counterfeit Self. And that chapter is all about how for 36 years, I was programmed, like most of us, to travel down and chase success, to chase fame and fortune, money and power and all the things that are in it. And my wife had been saved about three years. The Lord told her, don't preach to him, love him and pray for him. And in those prayers, what prayers when people are praying for you, and I'm praying for all of you in this house and all of you online, that you have the fourth chapter, which is called Ambushed by Truth. Now, I pray you're not ambushed the way that I was ambushed. You can read it in the book. And you'll have to read it because I'm not going there because it's we're in a holy moment here, and if I told you that story, we'd be right back out in the parking lot. But I want you to consider something. At the end of this year, and there you can, you can order uh, the 10-day devotional and the study guide. You can download that along with a question and answer form. Just go to reclaimingourforgottenheritage.com and you can pre-order. And I want to thank you all for pre-ordering. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, the book already is number one in three categories on Amazon. And uh, some kind of a record. And it's number one there, but also on two other categories. So we, let's just give the Lord a hand clap on that. I want you to consider this as the last word of 2018, and I want to be sober about this. The scripture says, be sober, that the enemy, he's like a roaring lion, and he's seeking whom he may devour. And I kind of want to set this up before we go into the journey of this word is we need to understand, and you need to understand, you only have so much time and energy, and as we get older, you have less time and less energy. 
So what happens is you have to work smart and you have to learn how to get more done with less. But think about this. Think about how difficult it is for you to bring real change in yourself. Very difficult to bring change. It takes hard work. It takes discipline. Even with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, it is a job. So what I want you to think about is that in 2019, forget about trying to change somebody else. Because if, if it's so difficult for you to change you, can I say this? It's almost impossible for you to change somebody else. But people spend a lot of effort trying to change that spouse, change that boss, change that pastor, change that deacon, change that whatever. Okay. That's the first word. Quit trying to change anybody else and focus on transforming your life into your calling. Now, I'm going I'm to give you the nugget of how this works. And, and most of you were here when the service started and there's this video and, uh, and it shows us and, and we're walking out of the Dan Panorama Hotel and we got all this hair dye on and, and beard dye and we're trying to reproduce for the Illuminations television program what happened to me in 1991. And what happened to me in 1991 is that I had a visitation on the Lord on the beach there in Tel Aviv and where a prophet of the Lord walked me down the beach and shared with me all the horrors of the Holocaust and which I had heard this, I'm educated, I know about it, but the Holy Spirit is, is sharing with me the, the true terror of what that is and that the enemy wants to do it again and he is looking for people who will say, not on my watch, never again. And so in 1991 in Tel Aviv, Israel, across from the Dan Panorama on the Mediterranean Sea, I sat down and I put my hands out and I was commissioned. I was commissioned by the Lord to be a voice. I don't mean anything wrong by this, but I don't put too much value in being commissioned by man. And I'll just be transparent. I don't really care who you're ordained by. I'm going to look you in the eyes. I'm going to see who you are in the spirit. And you are either pure in spirit and your character is ready for what we're getting ready to do or it's not. And who you're connected to really has this, just me, I really don't care. Forgive me. I want to know if you got commissioned by the Lord. Is what you're carrying from heaven or from earth? And I understand that there's commissioning and we're going to commission ambassadors here on January the 11th, and it's very important for you to be here and because it's going to be the same experience, what happened in 91, and that commissioning to be the voice. If you're called to be an end-time voice, to be able to speak, and you're willing to lay your life down, then on the 11th, you need to be here. And it's not because of the prophets that come. It's because what the Lord told me, he said, I'm bringing this wave in at a new level. Because we need to have a new level of articulation and authority and anointing to communicate in this hour. So what happens, and what I was telling in chapter 3 and 4, is when I sat on the beach and, and I put my hands out and I said, not on my watch, then the Lord said, great, I take you up on it, I commission you to do it, but now I am going to allow people, places, and circumstances to start to mold you so that you can be that voice for me, not the voice for you. And that was difficult for me because at 36, I was already public speaking. I was already extremely successful. And I thought I was ready for everything. 
I didn't get saved to 89, so this was right after I got saved. And I didn't realize that everything that was in me when I sat in that beach was contrary to speaking for him. He didn't warn me. This isn't like the Surgeon General. This wasn't a pack of cigarettes where it sits down saying, if you start inhaling this, it's going to kill you. I didn't see that, but that's what happened. You start inhaling this and it will kill you. So the commissioning started, and the Lord said, I'll be gentle, but I have need. I remember getting words, the Lord's going to do a fast work. Man, I was in my mid-30s. I'm 63 now, and I feel like I'm just getting ready to start. It doesn't seem very fast to me. But the Lord said, it's the counterfeit self that's in the way. Are you hearing me? Because what's happening is you're making choices. I'm sending you perfectly pure words of knowledge, downloads, and prophecies. I'm having people lay hands on you. I'm ha All this stuff is happening to you, and you're processing it. How are you going to make it work in the counterfeit? And it won't work in the counterfeit. It only works in the regenerated, recreated you. So you can get words all you want, lay hands all you want. All this stuff can happen. But until you find the real you, none of it works. Let's get started. If you'd bow your heads. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that this is a year where you're going to ambush us by truth. And Lord, we give you permission to ambush us. And Lord, we thank you for that, and we are going to embrace it. We're not going to reject it. In Yeshua's name, would you say amen? amen. We're going to start our journey tonight in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. I've got so many new people watching. They say, what do you mean a journey? Because I'm not teaching this. I'm preaching this in, in a way that I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to basically undo some things so that you can understand what he's saying. Okay? That's the journey. The journey for approximately the next hour is going to be to get this concept that you're going to make a quality decision tonight to say, 2019, I am going to declare war on my counterfeit self, and I invite the Lord to ambush me with truth. And when he does... And when I find how far I am from the truth of what I thought I was, I won't get mad at him. I won't get mad at anybody else. I won't get mad at my mama and my grandma, who I'm just like, or my grandfather, or I'm not going to get mad at anybody. I'm just going to say, praise God. He found it. He's going to cut it out, and he's going to put him in that place. That's why tonight is so important because you just prayed and gave him permission to ambush you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. So this is a Jewish rabbi speaking to Gentiles. But you have not so learned Christ... If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you would put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you would put on the new man, which is created according to God, in true righteousness and in holiness. So what he's saying here, if you would really learn from Christ, the anointing, if you would learn from him, you would put off the old habits and the old patterns and the old behaviors because you should be smart enough at this point to understand the habits, patterns, behaviors, traditions is what shapes your thinking more than what you're hearing 
twice a week for an hour and a half. What you hear here needs to be reinforced Saturday, Sunday, are you hearing me, with the culture. And so what he's saying is that to Ephesus, now he's dealing with the issue of idolatry, but he's saying you're not obedient to the Holy Spirit's power. And he reminds them, he's, he's speaking to them, you know, and I'll say this, being angry for a moment may win and satisfy your soul for that moment, but it will not allow you to win the day. Our choices and our lifestyle need to reinforce each other. So identity is your first step to making a change for any God-given calling. You're going to have to change. And I think probably one of the biggest problems people have is, is change is their associations. Where you associate is critically important to where you're going. And if, and if you're not fellowshipping with people that are not already where you are going or where you want to go, then my question has to be, why are you fellowshipping? There's really two kinds of fellowship. There's kingdom fellowshipping, where you go there for divine purpose to answer a corporate call. That's what we're doing on June the, uh, January the 11th, is we are changing House of David to the One New Man Embassy. Why are we doing that? Because we are ambassadors and we need an embassy to be sent from. But it's taken 14 years to get here. But now it's time to go because the Lord said so. Now, I want to talk to you about biblical identity, okay? Because we get so hung up. And there's, so there's, you know, there, oh, I had my DNA done and I'm a fourth this and I'm a fifth that and, and you know, all this different mixture stuff. You know, there's even politicians that have made complete fools out of themselves because of small percentage of First Nations blood. You know, the whole thing just is utterly ridiculous. But your identity and how you're perceived and your perception is your reality. You are not who you say you are because of your diploma on the wall, your business card, or the status of, of your credit card. It's not what is in your wallet, it is what's in your heart, what is in your character, what is in your experience, and how much authority do you have to be able to back it up? I'm going to give you a, this is out of the book, this is an interesting aspect of identity described in the Hebrew commentaries that I believe is worth exploring here. According to Esther chapter 2 verse 5 in Sheshan the citadel here, there was a certain Jew who was named Mordecai, the son of Jar, the son of Shemiel, the son of Kish. He was a Benjamite. So Mordecai, in the story of Esther and Mordecai, Mordecai is a Benjamite. Okay? Now hang with me here. The text calls Mordecai in the book of Esther, a certain Jew. But it also says his lineage, lineage was that of a Benjamite. So through today, we would tend to be confused about being Jewish with being Hebrew. The term Jew was originally applied to someone who was of the tribe of Judah, which was just one of the 12 tribes of Israel, as was the tribe of Benjamin. So which is it? Was Mordecai a Jew from the tribe of Judah or a Benjamite from the tribe of Benjamin? If you look at the original language, it becomes clear because the word is referring to Mordecai in this passage is Yudi. And in the Torah, the Jewish term for the first five books of the Bible, it is translated as Yud. And according to the Mishnah, 
a Hebrew commentary on the scripture, the term didn't only refer to being <clears throat> Judean, but also described anyone who worshiped the one God. Now that's the key. The text in Esther is calling a Benjamite a Jew because it was evident by your experience interacting with this man named Mordecai that he only had one guy, God. Why? Because he would not bow to the king. Are you tracking on this? He's not really a Jew. He's technically a Benjamite. By implication, that meant anyone who refused idol worship, or more specifically, anyone who refused to bow down <clears throat> to any God other than that one and true God. In other words, Jews are those who hold to the Shema and fundamentally confess the faith found in Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu. Let me give you an exa another example. Think of the story of Joseph in the Bible when Joseph was called before Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream in Genesis 41. He would not bow down before Pharaoh as God. Well, he better have a good interpretation of the dream because if he's not carrying the deliverables, he's going to be killed. And it's the same way today. I prophesied it around, oh, the last year or so that the promotion in the corporate world in the seven mountains is going to be those who will not bow their knee to other gods but are carrying the power of heaven on earth, know how to do business in the courts, and they will be the most valuable corporate officers, CEOs, managers, presidents of corporations, because if you have somebody who has skills and talent and is smart, operates in excellence, hardworking, and filled with the Holy Spirit and connected to God, they're worth twice as much as anybody else. And that's who's taken over this next uh, financial transfer of wealth. Thus saith the Lord. And I say it, I guarantee it. Because I'm watching it already happen. I'm watching the Josephs rise up in every corporate mountain right now. You got some Josephs in this house. So now the question is, how do I apply that to myself? Say to your neighbor, say, I need to apply this revelation to myself. So in Romans, now uh, chapter 1, through 24, this is the same apostle, Apostle Paul, Jewish rabbi, speaking now to the church in Rome. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. The birds, the four-footed animals, the creepy things. And therefore, God also gave them up to their uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, and they dishonored their bodies amongst themselves. Has that happened to the church in Rome? Has that word manifested itself in the church in Rome. It has. I'm not being critical. It's a fact. Look at the scandal that they have. Their word for the hour from the Pope is that we are all to repent and turn away from materialism. While he sits there, and I've been to the Vatican, with gold-plated pillars, the inside of that building's probably worth billions of dollars. He's probably got fifty to hundred thousand dollars worth of robes and silk and gold on, and he's telling me that I'm to give up materialism. There's something wrong with this picture. Do you see how disconnected that is? Now, I don't mean to offend my Catholic friends. I was raised in parochial school. I know the story as well as all of you.
but I'm trying to be real about counterfeit identity. The reason nobody's going to carry that message is because the message is a counterfeit. Even if you're not smart enough to see it, you feel it in the spirit and you're going, I'm not going to let the guy sitting in the castle on the hill who is telling my nation we don't need walls and he's got 40 foot walls around his entire Vatican to tell me not to have walls and I'm not supposed to have any materialism or wealth. How about if we, how about if we, how about if we look at your bank account? See, those days are over. God has a people that aren't buying that anymore. That worked okay in the 60s when I was a kid. Until the later time when the whole revolution came and said, we don't know what's wrong, but the whole thing with all the hippie movement and all the drugs and the was rebelling, was rebelling against the fact that something's not right and we're going to find our true identity and the way we're going to do it is through LSD and marijuana and all the other stuff that we experimented with. I was part of that generation. And we were searching for ourselves. Because deep down inside... Your soul knows that it's looking for a real identity which can only come through an encounter with the creator who created you. It won't come through drugs or, or man. When you change or exchange the glory or the focus of your worship, when you invest your time and money and you put your trust in things, then you become corruptible. Therefore, you have to give them up so that your heart can be cleaned so that you honor what God honors and he in turn honors you and honors your, bo your body. That's how healing happens. It's not just faith. It's honoring that God's covenant word has power to heal. He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. What's the destruction of the idolatry that's in the mind? And the reason you don't need to have idolat idolatrous stuff in your house is because they have spirits attached to them. And those spirits are after worship. They want you to worship them. Romans uh, chapter 1 verse 16 Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Can I make this real simple? The reason he's telling them this is because... He's saying, I preach the word to you. You don't wait on your faith to provide. So you go around the corner to the idolatry shop, go get a statue or go get something to put in. And the logic is, well, I still have faith in what Paul said, but just in case I'm going to have this backup statue. And I'll go ahead and put the two of them together. And then this way I've got it covered. It's called mixture. And that's why James said, and a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from God. Your counterfeit self will only feed, live, and trust in God's word and God's word alone. All the religious mixture to bring comfort and to fill the pews and to keep the tithes coming all of that counterfeit is going to be dealt with over the next few years. So it's better to get it out of your life now. Idolatry or idol worship is putting your faith in another thing, person, place, or thing, or God. Little g. It's putting your trust someplace. Other than what we read earlier, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. 
Now, I want to talk to you about being ambushed by truth. I think I've made the point that your false identity is fueled by idolatry. And not all idolatry is trinkets and uh, idolatry can be anything that takes authority or time or resources over what God is asking you to do. Hello. I don't know why I got real emotional tonight. I'm sitting over here in the worship and I'm watching all the worship and most of the worship team that's here was raised in this house. And I kept hearing, my God, we're still here. Because I was told by great authority that there was no way in the Bible Belt in the heartland of America the Jews would come and worship on the Sabbath and survive over football. I'm not teasing you. I was told by high authority and hundreds of people it will never happen. And there's a lot of people that aren't here because they chose football over this. And that was their choice. And I bless them. But as for me and my house, I was ambushed by truth. And when the Lord birthed this, he said, you're doing it like this on Friday and you're keeping the feast. Listen, I'm a businessman. I know with the quality of ministry that we have here and the staff, we could do this on Sunday anywhere and be extremely successful. We didn't get into this to become extremely successful. That wasn't the call. The call was to model the voice. And the Lord is bringing the church back to the calendar and back to His ways. And the fact that we're still here and we're prospering is the fact that we are the pioneers to say, it's okay, go west. It's like Pioneer Trail. We've got our friends here from St. Joseph, Missouri and Restoration Church and the, the takeoff point. And House of David's kind of out there somewhere in Oregon in the spirit and say, hey, listen, they're prospering. They made it. And now others are going to follow. Why are they going to follow? Because they better follow this because when we get to the new Jerusalem, we're going to be following this pattern, not the Sunday pattern. There's not going to be a Sunday section in the new Jerusalem. Okay, it's over here. Go through gate uh, number nine. No, there's not. That's not how that's working. The Lord's going to ambush you, if you're listening to this, by the truth. The steps of a good and righteous man and woman are ordered by God, and he's going to ambush you with truth. And when he does, it's going to be very painful. It's painful for all of us because none of us are who we think we are. But it has to start there. If in any kind of a journey and any kind of a deliverance, you have to start at one point of truth to start the journey to get the truth to set you free. So the word for 2019 is be prepared to be ambushed by the truth. Why is it coming now? Because we are in biblical year 5779. Nine is judgment. And religious people don't like this word, judgment. All judgment is, is God takes over to make things right when man can't. And because it is a year of judgment, and it's already started, I mean, my gosh, look what's happening in Washington. I think everything's kind of being exposed. That's judgment. But if you're going to be ambushed by truth, the Lord will give you an opportunity to have your unclean things removed in private with him, or you can reject him and have it removed in public 
The choice is yours. I like private. But God is sending a wake-up call because this is a time of justice and judgment. And the power of circumstances of bad choices will hit us to awaken us from our drunken state of self-reliance. I don't mean alcohol drunk. I'm talking about pride. I'm going to do it my way. This is how we've always done it. Whatever your name is, we are this name and we always do it this way. Well, that might not line up with your true identity. And if so, the Lord's going to show you and you'll be the first one in that family group to have to change your ways. Otherwise, you're not going to answer the call of God in your life. It is critical when you are ambushed by the truth that you respond correctly. In the book, I share my scenario, and I made a verbal commitment to my wife after being ambushed by the truth in, in the book. It's a true testimony. I said, I've basically, I've just had an encounter with God. I said, I'm going to have to change my life. And probably a few months later is when I got saved. Are you tracking with me here? John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The key is you have to know truth. To know truth means that you experience it. If you know, if you really know truth, you would never lie again. If you really know truth, you would never manipulate again. If you really know truth, you would realize doing what is right in truth is always the most powerful choice. Anything else will create more work. Because see, sometimes the truth separates and people don't like that. But sometimes it's better to separate from non-truth early than to delay the separation. I want you to write this down. When you get ambushed by truth, the Lord's going to ask you about situations in the spirit. He's going to reveal it to you. And the response needs to be, Lord, I take responsibility because I made the bad choices. Not it's my mother's fault. It's my father's fault. It's my pastor's fault. It's my, no, you need to take full responsibility because the buck stops with you in your life when you want to connect with your real identity and get away from the counterfeit self. And I want to say something, and this is difficult, but please hear me. When the Lord reveals it to you, don't cry. I mean, you may cry, but crying and being emotional is not the answer he's looking for. He's asking after you get past the crying, He's asking you to do one thing, change. See, we have learned how to come to altar calls and cry, but we haven't learned how to come to altar calls and cry and change. And that's why we're always having have to have altar calls. We don't have a lot of altar calls here. We have some when the Lord leads, if that's what it takes. But ultimately, you're going to make a decision sitting right there whether you're going to embrace this message or not. Some of you are checked in and you're going, I'm going to do it. And some of you are saying, I'm not sure. And some of you are just flat out saying, I'm not going to do it. My job is just to deliver the message, not to perform it for you. But I can tell you that this is a biblical year of judgment. This, I'll give it in a fashion where Pastor Tim can understand. And I know he already understands. But it would be like right before it's time to go plant his seed that miraculously he and Sandy were in the house. They're sleeping. They get up early. You know, they're having breakfast. And he goes outside to start the preparation of the soil to find out that miraculously someone came tilled, fertilized, and did all the repair work. And, and it's like he just wakes up and goes, oh. 
Jehovah Deer showed up. It was a green angel with yellow wings. They write about him in the book of John. John Deere shows up and all the acreage is done and everything is ready to go and all you have to do is go and plant the seed. That's judgment. God goes before you with fire and every ambush and, and everything that is trying to stop you from doing what you, were, you were, did on last year, he just goes like fire before and he just burns up all the tares and all the wheat and gives you a wide place to walk. Oh, come on, give the Lord a hand clap. <clears throat> Psalm 62.1. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He is my rock, my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. This is the decree that we all decree waiting for the manifestation of the promise instead of going to the idolatry store to go get some hamburger helper or multi-manipulator or I'll take it from here. Thank you, Lord. We're tired of waiting. Because see, God's timing is perfect. And it's in the wait where you find that your counterfeit self behaves badly. And as it's behaving badly during the wait, that's when you agree to come out of agreement with your impatient counterfeit self. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things become new. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. If you want to do a good Bible study, study the word idol or idolatry. And it's all the same story. The Lord always told the Israelites, you cannot mix the idolatry in with the God of Abraham. Flee from it. Make a conscientious decision tonight to say, I'm going to flee from fear, doubt, unbelief, pride, anger, and offenses. I'm going to flee from it. Your counterfeit identity wears these like a badge. And I'm closing with 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? I'm being very serious here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. But Paul's speaking to the church at Corneth, and he says, Do you understand that the idolaters do not inherit the kingdom of God? You can study that out however you want. That's between you and the Lord. I'll say this, not everybody who thinks they're saved is going to make it to heaven. In John 14, 21, this is what I'm really talking about. His promise is not reserved for a time later in heaven. What I'm talking to you is not about heaven. I'm talking about having your true identity now so that when you get ambushed by truth, you're empowered for your calling. Does that make sense? Because the only way to answer your call is to be your real self. But in some deep measure, he desires to fulfill his word in you now. That's what tonight's all about. That's the last word of 2018. He desires to fulfill his word in you now, not in heaven. He wants you to accept responsibility for the counterfeit self now and start embracing. And he's giving you a gift tonight. He basically has given you a hand grenade tonight and pulled the pin out and said, I'll see you later. And you're just holding it.
You'll get tired of holding it after a while. And there'll be one day in a quiet time. I'm looking at some of my business guys. I hope it doesn't hit you on that airplane. Always looks ridiculous when here we are, grown men just weeping and crying on an airplane. The flight attendant has to come up and say, are you okay? You have a great opportunity if you'll put away all your fear and you put away all your doubt. Are you ready for the new year? Last year wasn't that good. You know, in our ministry business-wise, it was the best year we've ever had, but the most difficult. It was the best year because of preparation from years past that things fell into place. But it wasn't the best year. I believe in 2019 is going to be the best year. I believe when the Lord, I think something spiritually is going to shift on January the 11th here. Like, this is a spiritual thing. This isn't a man thing. And I believe he wants to make you ambassadors. And ambassadors come at a high level of integrity of being able to deliver and share what you're carrying. Not what I'm carrying, what you're carrying. I'm not commissioning you on the 11th. The Lord is commissioning you on the 11th for the message of the one new man, which is the end time message. He just happens to be doing it from this location. The days of being commissioned by a man or a woman, for me, it's over. We love you. We pray for you. We cover you in prayer. All that is true. And we fellowship together. And that is important. But if we really want to strengthen our fellowship, it's not strengthening House of David or CLM. It's strengthening the kingdom of God. And if we'll focus on strengthening his kingdom, then CLM and House of David and my olive tree will fulfill its job. But the only way you can fulfill your job is to make a conscientious choice to say, Lord, I'm tired of my counterfeit self. And I ask you to ambush me with truth so that I can get unsnared from all this generational iniquitous structures that go all the way back to the garden that hinder the way I think about myself, the way, the way I interact with others. The, the, my shortcomings are all tied to this, these different structures that have created a counterfeit. And it's making my life miserable. It's making me physically sick. It's making me ineffective. And Lord, I need to be ambushed by truth. And if that's you, and if that's you online, and you're watching tonight, all I want you to do is just to raise your right hand. Just raise your right hand to the Lord and say, Lord, it's time to get free from the, forgot, uh, from the counterfeit truth and the counterfeit self. Lord, I ask you in this new year to ambush me with truth because I am determined to reclaim our forgotten heritage. I am returning to who I am in him. And now when you say returning, most of us have never been there, but what you're returning to is the words of the Lord. Remember when he spoke to Jeremiah and he said, I knew you before. I knew you in your mother's womb. You're returning to that. Say, Father God, I'm returning to my identity 
in the Creator before I was even born. I thank you by your grace and the blood of Jesus. This encounter is coming this year to me in Yeshua's name. And I seal it. Now let's give the Lord a great big hand clap. Receive this word. Thank you for listening to this message from the One New Man Network. For more information, please visit us at theonenewman.com.